I want to say a word of thanks to Corey. He, he gave us a wonderful word uh, last week. I was out and got to slip into the multipurpose room and worship there and share in communion, and he gave us a, a, great, a great, great word. Um, what do you do with Jude? What do you do with a lot of books of Scripture? If you remember last year, we had started a new series called Things We May Have Missed. And that's what I want us to look at for the next couple of, of weeks. Or maybe books that, that maybe we've overlooked. Maybe we didn't spend enough time with. If, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I wonder how many of us knew where to go before Steve said where to find Jude, right? It's an ignored book. I wonder how many of you had a panic attack when you looked down and thought we were reading four chapters this morning. Jude 1 through 4, right? Well, listen, the church had a panic attack over this book. This may be the most controversial book of the New Testament. They wrestled with this book. He's, and I'll, I'll, there's a lot of reasons why, but they really struggle with, is this the can, is, should this be in the canon of Scripture? And they eventually were, were led to say, yes, it is, but it's, it's maybe why we kind of ignore it. Um, we don't want to miss what God says in this book or any of these books that we'll look at uh, during these weeks together. Jesus is on every page. God is speaking on every page. And there's application for us, how we can stay close to God, how we can trust God, how we can live for God on every page. So we want to be able to to go through some, some books that are a little bit different. We're going to talk about the book of Revelation. We're going to talk about the book of Numbers. I don't know how long it's been since you've read Numbers, but I remember when I was younger, I was, Lord, I'm going to read through the Bible this year. Genesis, gotcha. Exodus, wow, that was exciting. Leviticus, ooh. (laughs) Some weird laws in Leviticus. I don't know about this. And then get to Numbers. Tom had five sheep, seven bulls. And you just, oh, there's so much in Numbers. That's where we're going to be next week if you want to go ahead and read that. There are books that maybe we miss, but God's in those books and his will for us is is in those books. So we want to spend time uh, going through those. So let's go to the book of Jude. And what I want us to do, I'm going to ask you to keep your phones open uh, to the Bible or keep your Bibles open because we're going to jump around. We're going to look through these four verses, but we're going to end up at the end of those verses. Let's start with verse 1. Who is Jude. Who is Jude? I told you uh, last year that I was a terrible big brother because I had called my sister on the very first opportunity she had to babysit. I called her and pretended to be a serial killer. I've repented of that. I've repented of that. She's finally finished counseling (laughs) 30 years later. What I don't think I told you, though, was her revenge. I'm colorblind. I'm colorblind to the point that two weeks ago, just before walking into the staff meeting, I realized I had on a black belt and brown shoes, okay? So I I struggle with some color issues. Right now, you're checking to see if my tie matches my suit. I know what you're doing. She knows I'm colorblind. So after that terrible thing that I did to her, I thought I'd see something immediately, a response, nothing. Week goes by, another week goes by, 
And then my mom says, Barry, why are you putting all these different socks in, in the dirty clothes? None of them match. My sister went into my sock drawer, knowing I was colorblind, and she got similar shaded but different color socks and put them together in pairs. I went to school thinking I was looking great, and kids were going, oh, man. <laughs> Nobody called me out on it, though, but for weeks I wore mixed match socks. You ever had an issue for y'all that have siblings? You ever had an issue? Probably because since the beginning of time, Cain and Abel, to, to, to present day, siblings can have issues. Who is Jude? We believe he's Jesus' half-brother. Now think about that. Here is God speaking through Jude, and he is one, just like his other brother that he names here in this letter, or really a sermon, he didn't believe. He didn't believe prior to Jesus' resurrection. How do you live with that? To have had love incarnate before you for maybe decades. To have somebody fully obedient to the will of God. Somebody to show compassion after compassion. It's in your face. This has to be of God. I don't believe it. And then the public ministry. All the miracles. All the teachings. I don't believe it. How do you live that down? How do you handle a past like that? I love our reminder back in 2 Corinthians. We were going through that series last month. When God comes, he comes to do something new. You're a new creation. Even the book of Revelation hints at you're given a new name. You and I don't have to be what we were. The question comes, will we allow God to do that work? Do we expect God to do that work to free us from our past and to give us a new name and to make us a new creation? That's what God desires to do, and Jude lets him do that. Jesus' other half-brother, James, not only gets to speak God's word in an epistle, but becomes in Acts 15, we see he's ahead of the Jerusalem council, the church. Yes, I have a past. Yes, I've got stuff, but then I believed in Jesus, and look what he's done. Will we let God do that freeing work, that redeeming work? Another reason he might have been tied down was because of that name. You have issues with your family name? You let that hold you? I've already told you. I know we've, got some, we've had several new people join in the last couple of years, but I've told you the joke about my full name, Barry Lee male. You say that quickly, barely male. And I've lived with that my entire life. How's I had somebody bump into me two weeks ago. Hey, barely, how you doing? One of my old students. But it doesn't just stop there. And I'm glad none of you caught on to this. But being an adult, whether you buy a house or buy a car or sign a contract, you're not just signing your name. What else are you doing? Here, 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 here. What are you doing? initialing my whole life bm 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 yes i said that from a church i'm sorry what's jude's name it may not be jude it may not be judah 
But what's the name given in Matthew chapter 13 and Mark chapter 6 about Jude? It's not Jude. Judas. Judas. How'd you like to grow up with the name of, of, the, of the son of perdition that, that the Gospels talk about? That Jesus, his whole life, growing up, how's it going, Jude? How you doing, Judah? How you doing, Judas? Knowing that one day there would be a Judas. And I wonder if Jude just felt that as well. Not only the shame of not believing, but maybe even that name uh, being on him. And maybe that's why Bible translators have given him a break and just say Jude. But it's probably more faithful, if you read Matthew and Mark, to have called him Judas. But he's not that anymore. He's not an unbelieving person anymore. He's not turning his back on Jesus anymore. My name is now Jude. There's something very right about that. Some of the places you and I have been, that's bad stuff behind us. But we don't need to be held by that. Will you let God do that redeeming work? And you see Jude and James just step into the love of Christ and serving Jesus Christ. They're not held back by who they are were. Need to hear that word today? To allow God to do that work in you today? As we keep following down, I think, I think that's part of the reason maybe why uh, Judas in verse uh, 3, Jude or Judah in verse 3 says, listen, I want to talk to you about this common salvation. I think part of it's maybe because, and this is me guessing, because of all that's been gifted to him, the mercy that's been shown to him, the salvation that he's received. If I could tell you one thing, what I want to talk to you about is this common salvation that we all have in Christ. This is who we can know, Jesus Christ, and this is who we can now be. But i got to talk to you about other stuff. I want to talk to you about how great that salvation is. But there's other stuff we've got to deal with. This past Monday at our administrative council meeting, uh, we had to meet in here. We spaced out and had uh, uh, just several minutes of glory sightings of people sharing where they had seen the Lord working in their life or working through our church. And then we went through committee reports. And y'all, I was on, I was just beaming as I'm listening to your faithfulness and your giving, your faithfulness and your serving and just hearing about our student ministries hadn't had under 100 kids this whole fall semester, hearing about what we're doing in our kids' ministry and increasing hours in staff and kids' ministry and in student ministry to pour into that, to hear about the ways in which we're serving, to, to hear about our Habitat team, to hear about uh, a trip even right now to check on the Moody's, to hear about uh, what we have and are about to do at Delta Grace in a couple of weeks. In November, I think early November we've had to push it to then to hear about what's happening and celebrate recovery. I don't have the freedom to tell you some of those stories, of what, even just in the last few days, what's happened in CR because some volunteers have said, we're going to walk along some people. If I did, it'd break your heart. But if I also told you, you'd just beam and start clapping. You'd stand up and shout because God is working through our people and through our church. It was a great 30 minutes of glory sightings. Then we had to deal with the protocols we have, and then we had to deal with denominational stuff. There's just always stuff to deal with. That's what happens here in Jude. I want to share with you, to celebrate with you, this salvation we have. But listen, let's talk about what's happening, even 
Jude says, within the church. Now, this is probably mid to late 60s, 70s, at the latest 80. It's already crept up, just like 2 Peter says. It's not just coming from outside, but even inside the church, people are falling for the world and the world's ideas and the world's theology, which always points us to just do whatever. Do whatever. And so he's got to contend for the faith here. So you see that in, chat, in verse 4. Uh, uh, I, I want to talk to you about that great salvation, but I've got to talk to you about what's all around us. There's, there's false teachers everywhere. This reminder, and he's going to get to it later, we've got to build ourselves up in the faith. I realize it is hard work just staying on top of things and reading not just the word, but being very careful to take every thought captive and reading and being careful with doctrine. But pretty much every epistle in the New Testament talks about being careful with doctrine. If you don't believe me, go read all the epistles this week. And even if I'm wrong, you read all the epistles this week. So that's a good thing. It's a constant fight. It's a constant fight to build yourself up in the faith. At my last church, I was so blessed. At my last church, we had, I don't know if you've ever heard of that book, Crazy Busy, but we were going to go through a three or four week study on the book, Crazy Busy. So many people had bought those books, but I noticed in the first week or second week of the study, 25% of the people didn't show up one particular Wednesday night. And so I was just going to call and check on them. Say, hey, we missed you Wednesday. I know you, you bought a book. We missed you. Do you know what the strong majority of the answers were for missing the study on the book, Crazy Busy? We were crazy busy. You need this study. If you can't make time for the Lord to grow, not just in your heart and in your life, but in your mind so you have clear and pure doctrine because it always plays out. Bad doctrine Relaxed doctrine always hits the streets. It plays out. And he's seeing that here. It's not just these false teachers and what they teach. It plays out in life. We have to be on guard and to be careful. And so he spells out, dropping down to verse 16, all these things that he wants to warn the church about. The first is, he says, listen, you're looking for signs of what these false teachers teach, but also here's how it plays out. Verse 16 it turns into a life of complaint. This is one of my favorite Greek words in all of Scripture. And so I'm going to put a guilt trip on you because you don't want to be this. If you're complaining, do you know what the Greek word is for complain? Gugusmus. And so if you complain, you know what you are? You're a gugusmuser. Nobody wants to be a gugusmuser, right? That's what happens. This kind of pointing, this kind of blaming, this kind of complaining, and then living for selfish desires. This arrogance or bragging will follow you, uh, will, will be in your life. You'll begin to flatter others so you can get whatever you want. Verse 18, you become selfish. And not only that, even to the point you become a God mocker. Now listen, it's one thing to chase after the sins of this world, to chase after this world. It's another thing if you go back to verse 8. We, we don't have time this morning to go through that. They're even having issues with spiritual entities. Ben and I are listening to a podcast uh, together, and this week was on spiritual warfare. And it's, it's, it's almost silly what the church has added on to how to deal with that when scriptures about spiritual warfare are very clean, uh, clear about how the church is to respond to that. Uh, 
It's one thing to mock angels. But sadly, what ends up happening is you'll end up here, he says, mocking God. Verse 19, you create division in the church. You think only of this life and of this world. And then in 19, he says, they lack the spirit. Y'all, James, who's head of the early church and the Jerusalem council, as well as we think Jude is mentioned in chapter 15 of Acts, so much of Acts is simply this. Who or what is filling you or, and who, who or what is leading you? Who's, who, who, who are you full of? What's filling you? And what you see from the very beginning and throughout that book is people who are filled with the Holy Spirit. They're just filled with God. They're full of God. And they're letting God fill every part of their life, their imagination, their, their, their words, their actions. But also, as Paul would say to the church in Rome, who are the children, the sons of God, those who are being led by the Spirit? And so much of the book of Acts is about who will follow the Holy Spirit, the leading of the Spirit. Um, I was talking with somebody in, in our church recently. You would think Philip would have just wanted to stay. When you have that miraculous, you know, you, not only is the Ethiopian reading the scroll and Philip's able to lead him to Christ, but then you have that baptism in the book of Acts. You'd think, man, I, we're going to be pen pals, right? You can go back to, you can go back to Africa. We're going to write each other. I want to invest in you. The Spirit said, go. And Philip was gone. All we want is the filling and the leading of the Holy Spirit. we got to do the discerning work in the Word and with other brothers and sisters for that. But so much of Acts is who is filling you, who is leading you. It's got to be the Holy Spirit. And here's how it plays out. They, they don't have any spirit. It's a lack of the Spirit in that kind of life. And this is, again, this is early on. If they're dealing with it, we're going to deal with it, and we've got to guard ourselves and be able to call it out and see it for what it is. But then this positive word in verses 20 through 21, and we'll close here. This word again, this reminder, you've got to build yourself up in the faith. It's, it's, a, it's a word that's not passive. It's a word that says this will take work. This word will take, have to take you uh, 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 working with God so that when you build yourself up in the faith and these false doctrines come, you'll be able to call it out. You remember who works with counterfeit money? It's the Department of Treasury, as I understand it, because I had an agent in the Department of Treasury in my last church, and they called me out on this story. When they study counterfeit money, you've heard other preachers talk about that. How much time, what percentage would you guess in your head when, when Department of Treasury agents are studying counterfeit money, how it burns, how it tears, how it smells, how it feels? When they do all that study, how much of their study is spent studying the counterfeit money so they know all the various differences? Not much at all. What do they do instead? They study the real thing. I know this so well that when I bump into a false idea, I've been so built up, I already know that that's false. And so Jude is saying to the church here, build yourself up in the faith. So when you bump into these teachers, you can know that they're false and you can know where it leads you. Build yourselves up and pray. We've talked about prayer for a couple of months ago. But, but just a reminder, again, how critical that is to the life of the believer in a world that has all kinds of ideas. Y'all were bombarded at every side. And we've got to be on our faces. We've got to be on our knees. We've got to be in our prayer closets seeking the Lord. Build yourself up. Pray. Stay in love, verse 21. 
Wesley gave the Methodists three rules. Don't do any harm to anybody. Do good. But those things will not come easy. Those things won't be done well unless we follow basically the third rule. It's talking about ordinances of God, but basically it's just stay in love with Jesus. Stay in love with God. How critical that is for us in our devotional life and our worship life to stay in love. And then these last couple of verses. Be helpful, verse 23. Rescue those who need to be saved, verse 23. Have mercy on them. I talked with one of my parents, really good friends, a couple of years ago. And she talked to me, being a pastor, she talked to me about an incident with her home church when she was, I think, a senior in high school. And uh, I always want to be careful how I talk about these things. But it ended up because of something she had done that um, uh, she and her husband got married. Let's just say it that way, okay, with, with kids here. You know how many people from that church went and visited her after that church she grew up in? Zero. Well, you've messed up in that part of your life? Zero. Jude knew what it was to experience the mercy of God. To have had decades of his life where he'd, even during Jesus' public ministry, all the teachings, all the miracles, all that he would have heard about him, mother visiting, sister, I'm not believing that. He experienced the mercy of God. And if you've experienced the mercy of God, how can you not extend that to others? If you've been forgiven much, how is it you can not forgive much? Have mercy. I like how the message translates verse 23 because there is a word here for us. Have mercy, but also hate the garment. And I, I love what verse 23 says. And I'm going to read the message. It's a paraphrase, but I like, I like how uh, Eugene Peterson translates this. Go easy on those who hesitate in the faith. Go after those who take the wrong way. Be tender with sinners, but not soft on sin. The sin itself stinks to high heaven. And so there is this word from Jude. Yes, go after and have mercy. But, but there's a word in here that we see even in the life of God hate sin. To look at a garment, probably this relates to Leviticus, we're not sure, but probably relates to Leviticus, some a garment on a body, and if you touch it, you're unclean. Anything of this world that's unclean, that would draw you or others away from God, hate it. It's a real gut check for us today. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a gut check to remind us, are we living fully into what God's called us to be? Are we letting our past go, allowing him to forgive that and redeem it? And just as Jude and James and step out into what he has for us now, hear that. But also a check as we see Jude's response. Anything that would draw you away, any idea that would confuse things, like that garment, you've got to hate it. Do you need to, you need to, you need to recommit to that today to the Lord? As you review your last two or three weeks, Lord, have been places in my life and my recreation, 
in my thought life, with coworkers, it, wherever it may be, where I've, I've just not hated sin. I love you, Lord, but I don't necessarily hate it. I'm not careful with it. I'm not running from it. How is it you and I need to recommit to that today? There's so much here. I'll let you go back through it. We actually studied the book of Jude a year and a half ago, I think, in our Wednesday night Bible study, so you can look that up on our website if you want to go back. So there's a lot we didn't get to cover today. But sadly, sometimes I think maybe we miss this book. A life redeemed with such a great salvation. He doesn't have to be who he used to be. But also a warning to the church. There there are ideas pressing in all the time. Contend for the faith. Stand firm in the faith. Have mercy and reach, but be careful that you hate the ideas and things that would draw you away. Let's pray about that. Almighty God, we are thankful that you loved us so much that you gave your only begotten Son for us to gift to us a great grace, to offer to us a deep mercy. We thank you for not only our salvation together, our common salvation, that we can be with you forever, but also what you're doing to redeem our lives, to redeem our thoughts, to redeem our, our words. We praise you for that. We, we pray your Holy Spirit would continue to fill all of our lives and also that we be faithful to not lack your Spirit, that we would, we would, we would be led by your Spirit in response to this your word. If we need to continue to be faithful to build our faith and we've been lax in that, forgive us and help us in that. Father, if we need to have a, a, a heart for the lost to risk and to reach, help us in that. Father, if we've been too comfortable with this world and we need to hate the garment with, with great care, help us to do that as well. We thank you for this, your word. Bless now our response to it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.